dude hey. hi james <laughs> hi gabby what's up how's life uh, you've been pretty busy this week based on oh. our just so you guys know james and i are constantly texting so often when we bring stuff up here it's uh it's a replay it's, just, it's a replay it's a <laughs> yeah it's a revisiting um but We're james had a, a zoom uh what was it a zoom true crime it was a zoom, it was a zoom mystery party it was like <laughs> with your it family was a, uh, yeah it was a gift from my aunt from like arizona for all the cousins and mm-hmm. because we've done we did like one escape room a thanksgiving a couple years back is there a winner did you contribute like my thing with those is like i'm not an audio learner <laughs> and so my problem is those are all like you have to just keep up with the facts that are being sort of thrown at you and I can't do that I like Mm -hmm. I was taking notes and I was like best friend (laughs) was you know I was focusing on all the wrong things so you know five minutes and I had spaced out like completely how long did it take like how long an hour and a half I think it was an hour that's that's a lot that's like a whole movie I guess yeah so Um, I wait I was happy just to participate but yeah that sounds cute I really respect, like, families that go out of the way to, like, gather everyone and do a game, you know? Because it's so easy not to do it, but then when you do, you're like, oh, this is why why (laughs) we do this. It's kind of fun. Yeah, Um, yeah. If you're not an audio learner, would you say you're a visual learner? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, same here. I feel like that's why you and I are see eye to eye. (laughs) Visual people. So it was good. I wouldn't, would I do it again? <sighs> Probably just because it's my family, but I wouldn't like, I wouldn't <laughs> post. I have to. <laughs> You're like, it Probably was out of my choice to begin with. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I just want to maintain familial relationships, which sounds so like robotic, but. Uh, now I feel that. Yeah. I think it starts robotic and then it kind of gets more genuine, you know? I feel like there's mm-hmm. this big part of adulthood I've realized that's realizing, like, oh, wait, like, I do want family ties. Like, you know, you have your rebellious mm-hmm. phase where you're like, well, what's the point? They're just other people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then mm-hmm. you're like, wait, holy shit, like, we share DNA. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Let's yeah. get it. Let's convene. So here we are. Here we are. How has Hawaii been? What have you been up to? Any murder okay, mysteries? Okay, so what has been a week? Any murder mysteries? There was a fight last night out front that Ooh. I was listening to uh, with at the neighbor's house. Like, they were just arguing. Like, uh, that was the closest I got to a murder mystery. <laughs> Otherwise, it's been so fun. I have to say, like, a week ago when we talked, it was, like, mm-hmm. trippy. That was a dark time. Boy stuff, yeah. But it's, like, I don't know. I, I think in the end, it's, like, I'm free now, you know? Mm-hmm. and uh i already gonna go to the beach with the new crush today hey. uh, i got a cat <laughs> weaseling its way into my house which i'm really excited for <laughs> but it's so scared it's so funny it, like it's really doing i really respect it's how slow it's moving like mm-hmm. every day it comes a little bit closer but a little bit closer as in like three more inches <laughs> You know, like it went from like rubbing on the outside of the porch to like rubbing on the chairs. Now it's rubbing on the doorway. Um, I love cats. But it's just like the vibe here is so different. I think um, the only struggle I've had is realizing how fucking L.A. I am. Like, Mm. I just didn't realize. Like, I always was like, you know, I'm in the city, but I'm a fairly grounded person. I'm not like chasing a (laughs) 
I'm not, you know, it's like you're in LA, you're like, yeah, I'm not yeah. chasing a, an actor dream. I, I'm right, pretty aware right. of everything. But like out here, it's like what is valuable is just so different, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. My I deleted Raya yesterday because there's zero people on Raya when Raya was like my number one like social dating app. So that was like wow. a symbolic moment. Um, but it's just, you know, here it's like everyone's just here to chill. You hang out with people any age. You know, I half my neighbors, I have like a 35 year old neighbor. I have a, a 19 year old neighbor. I have a 22 year old neighbor. I have a 26 year old neighbor. And it's like we all mm-hmm. sit together, you know, and I think mm-hmm. what's so funny about L.A. is like I realized because everyone is there for a reason for an industry um and needs to survive it's like you flock with your industry and i was like people may see that as transactional but it's also survival you know it's like Mm -hmm. friends in the same industries means opportunities it means being around people who do what you do and out here there's no industries really except for sports you know and Mm -hmm. i'm not sporty and (laughs) really aware of that now like deeply aware it's like oh it's not cool to lounge on the beach with a book it's like it's cool to be surfing and windsurfing and getting your fucking shit rocked wow wow um but I really love it I it kind of reminds me of being with family like you know how when Mm -hmm. you're with family it's like everyone's a different age Mm -hmm. you know it's like that it's like I'm in a group it's like you know, even the neighbor, there's this, like, Argentinian, like, 17-year-old who I can, like, he doesn't speak English, but I could, like, sort of speak Portuguese with him. Like, it's, like, this mm-hmm. funny world, but I'm really enjoying it now, and I feel very, yeah, but really processing, man. Like, yeah, I mean, like, do you feel like you're very L.A.? Like, do you ever stop and be like, damn, like, I really just be dressing up and getting lattes and thinking a lot? <laughs> kind of. I think I have that, ex- I have the experience that you're having when I go visit my dad's family like because they're it's just midwest but it is still a different vibe and Mm -hmm. I also was so removed from that family growing up that it it feels even more like I'm an outsider than I really need to feel Mm -hmm. but it's not like oh I know them and they know me it's like they're still learning they're still getting to know me and so it still feel it feels like I'm introducing myself to new people because also, you know, you don't see your family that often. So it's like so much can change in a year or yeah, in between. Absolutely. A, yeah, in between a Christmas and a Christmas. So <laughs> uh, I, I definitely have that shock value when, when I see my family. Um, but yeah. it's, a, it's kind of cool. I like it because it reminds me that the world is bigger than Los Angeles. Like Absolutely. For yes. like 10,000 times bigger than, than LA. And I think a lot of the values that we grew up with just because we were in LA, mm-hmm. you know, they're illusions, right? <laughs> they are illusions for sure. So I like think LA I, is a big illusion that like yeah. manages to make its way. I mean, for sure. And I don't, I, I do think I've been pretty detached from that illusion in general. Cause I, but, but I like to think that about myself, but you know, <laughs> yeah no that's what that's I'm saying just, yeah yeah it's yeah. like I was like I had this moment like in LA I was like okay the reason I'm so obsessed with like unpacking the ego and all these things is because I live in such a hyper ego place and it's like mm-hmm. necessary to not mm-hmm. get you know totally lost in it and then I came here and I was like well this place not only I was like I'm not <laughs> like the work I did to be in a hyper ego place is really good but here it's like even less like you know what I mean mm-hmm. like it's even uh just it's so you know it's just like the rules just don't apply the same yeah you know yeah yeah and it's yeah. like the illusion like it's so but you and I we really love illusions you know and mm-hmm. I'm thinking about all the industries that dominate LA require 
you know, a certain like illusory energy that makes it more appealing than maybe it could be, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's like a lot and of I do smoke and mirrors. With the pandemic, it's like something that I'm grappling with is just how really empty Los Angeles is without those illusions because absolutely absolutely. and those illusions require us to come together and like suspend our belief together and Mm -hmm. and and dream of something more and we all have our Mm -hmm. own weird fucked up dreams and (laughs) yeah and it's but it's none of that is happening and like and I'm definitely a little bit like itching to uh escape a little bit and which is an odd feeling because my I was always just like to live and die in LA. Like okay, oh same. <laughs> I literally sometimes will just say that to myself. Like I'll just be like to live and die in LA, and then I said it here, yeah. and I was like, huh. I still feel it though. I really do. Yeah. I still have that pride. Um, yeah, absolutely. Like the stuff that makes LA LA. It's like you dress up and it's like a very performative place. But when you're mm-hmm. but everyone's aware of it, so it's not. I guess some people aren't aware of it, but when you're aware of it, it's a really great time, you know? Mm-hmm, it's like we're mm-hmm. all part of this kind of show, and I think it's very artistic, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah Like, it yeah, reminds yeah. me, to me, LA reminds me of what I love about art in the sense that you can get anything and conceptualize it to a point to make it important and make it valuable and make it beautiful, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. which is a form of because Magic LA is a not a beautiful place in so many it's different ways. It's not beautiful. <laughs> and it's just, there's some so really beautiful be, parts of it. But yeah. in general, yeah, it needs to be hyped. Mm-hmm. Like The metaphors <laughs> are beautiful. The analysis yeah. is beautiful. The theory yeah. is beautiful. What yeah. you make of it is beautiful. And that makes yeah. sense because LA is all about what you make of yourself. You know what I mean? Correct. Correct. You can be you, anyone you want nothing. to be in LA. Yeah, it's true. Who knew, but, you know? All yeah. the rumors are true. <laughs> they really yeah, it's are. like, especially LA having so many different neighborhoods. It's what, something that I miss is being able to start your night in Venice, and then you take a cab to Mid City. Yeah, <laughs> and yeah. then you you end up on the East Side, and you've had you've mm-hmm. had like three different lives over the course of an evening. Absolutely, and that just also, can't happen now. Yeah, totally. And I I noticed and I always thought this was the big difference between LA and New York and like everywhere else is that LA, you know exactly who you're going to see and what area you're going to. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, you know what kind of person you can probably figure out what their job is. You know, you can Mm -hmm. dress for the occasion. Mm -hmm. But I felt like in New York, everyone was everywhere. Mm, You know, and I'm sure that there's areas that are more definitive. But in terms of like style, you know, LA there's so much freedom to wear whatever because of the weather you know and it's Mm -hmm. like there's just these pods of types of people it's almost like a Disneyland map you know yes it's like I know I'll see this in West Hollywood I know I'll see this in Silver Lake like who do I you know what energy who do do I I want to be tonight yeah and so spread out it's like you have to drive to the destination Mm -hmm. yeah and out here it's like there's no it's all flip-flops and I haven't worn makeup once (laughs) don't even think about it (laughs) wow you know that's pretty amazing. I mean, and all that sounds great. I, I, I feel like because I think now, like, what would it be like to be in a tropical space? Mm-hmm. And it sounds. I guess you get rain, but it sounds like it would just be one long day and night, kind of, to me, because it. Without the rain, don't you just sort of feel like you're experiencing just time and like an everlasting moment? Not really because it's not – it's almost more like that in L.A. because L.A., it's like if you have a clear day, it's like clear from start to finish. Mm-hmm. But here, I think because of the strong winds, 
the weather's constantly changing throughout the day. Mm, Brazil nice. was like this too. It's like you'd have a sunny, clear sky and all of a sudden a downpour for like five minutes and then it goes away and then there's a rainbow and then it's gone. So here the weather's <laughs> very much like, you know, and that's why you're constantly hearing people talking about surfing because they're like, oh, how's the surf right now? And they'll be like, oh, it might be good in two hours, you know, because the wind oh, is always changing. So like for one hour, the wind will be insane like if you go to the beach you'll be like sandblasted and then an hour later it's like there's no wind and it's clear Mm -hmm. um and then all of a sudden like a cloud rolls in and you know it's like it's really it actually is more ever-changing than i expected but in terms of the temperature yeah the temperature stays yeah is wind good for surfing i don't know i still don't okay so the wind if it's high wind the waves are bigger so i guess Mm -hmm. it depends Oh, and what you want. I'm a surfer. Mm. <laughs> I'm really not totally sure. I just know that when we went to see, um, my new crush took me to see Jaws, which is like the big, nice. the big wave. Which are the scary and, sharks. Yeah. And this is the season for it because the winds are high. So I think if you're a big professional, those people get towed in. Wow. Do you know who Laird Hamilton is? The surfer, Sounds familiar. famous surfer. He lives in Malibu. I just found out that he invented being towed into like the middle of the ocean to get those big waves. Whoa. And I just can't believe that. I just can't believe somebody lives at that level, you yeah, know, yeah, of yeah. being so yeah. good at surfing that they can go to the center of the ocean where it's the scariest and say, I want to surf this, but I need someone to tow me in. It was so crazy to watch because you'd see people hitting these big waves, right? They were doing it over and over again, but then when they would wipe out, it was like... Mm-hmm pure danger like it was like dude this guy you could see this little dot you know and then the jet ski has to run over and save the guy ah. and then his his like windsurfing it was a lot of windsurfers so their little sail was like yeah. toppling through the thing and you're just like is he gonna be okay and then you know the jet ski has to beat the other wave because the jet ski can't be overtaken by a wave either like it can't ah. dominate every wave it was just crazy to watch and I was like you know it's so funny I don't know there's just like there's people who are just on this earth to be so physically challenged yeah you know what I well mean? Adren- adrenaline junkies you know Ugh, they can do chasing it chasing the high <laughs> yeah uh you really need to watch blue crush okay i do yeah i need yeah. to I need to watch that you have to i watch watched it. on the rocks by the sofia coppola one yeah i like that movie which i liked a lot. right i enjoyed it i did yeah. i enjoyed it a lot too i felt it like it was nice. too short though i wanted to live right. with that reality longer yeah, when I was watching, I was like, was this made during the pandemic? Because it seems like they kind of <laughs> didn't venture out too much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, no, I thought they captured a lot of great, very specific niche types of people. Like absolutely. the Jenny Slate character that's always talking about her bad relationships. and <laughs> I know, and, I know. Yes, I love that. <laughs> I was like, is that me? <laughs> I also love Bill Murray. Like, just Bill Murray being Bill Murray. We don't get yes. him that much anymore. And he's just so mm-hmm. charming and... I don't know. He's just a great presence, and I kind of want to rewatch some of his old movies now because he's special. Yeah. He's a really special guy. He is special, and Sophia knew. <laughs> she knows. <laughs> she's been knowing. I also liked how he was such a clearly misogynistic character, but the movie wasn't about – like, I, I feel like movies now, they feel this pressure to show us that they know that a character's bad. Like, mm-hmm. But there wasn't a point where they pointed at Bill Murray and were like, he's misogynistic and evil it was just like it really just showed the complex relationship of being with an older father who's problematic and from another time and still maintaining a relationship and i just love Mm -hmm. that they were so honest about that because that's how it feels in real life you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah Um, 
and nobody was like you know let's <laughs> let's make him the villain it was like no he's kind of towing the you know he's right on the, yeah. the middle he's doing what line. he thinks is right and yeah in some ways it's harmful but he's not actively trying to harm mm-hmm. you know which is the yeah. most honest uh thing and and more common thing than someone actually like openly maliciously being like i'm gonna fuck with my daughter's life yeah totally and i really respected that and then she wins in the end but in her own way that doesn't involve dominating or like desecrating her relationship with her father i was like that's Mm -hmm. genius like she got to have that moment of like i live in a new time i have a great relationship i'm not repeating my parents but like i don't need to like it wasn't a battle like i thought that was Mm so like great and truthful and inspiring (laughs) and the symbol of the watch i thought was really powerful because you know as women we wear our biological clocks on our sleeve in a lot of ways very true and that being like the symbol that both men pass to her is really um interesting because it is like the man's perceptive perception of of us and where we are in life and and she's already had the two kids or whatever however many kids Mm -hmm. but i just thought that was such an interesting symbol it wasn't like a a locket you know yes it could have been a locket it was a watch and there's something masculine about a watch you know what Mm -hmm. i mean Mm -hmm. and there always has been i don't know if you feel this way but i've always been like a watch is a decision Mm -hmm. oh yeah (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. i don't know um great one exciting (laughs) week for us um (laughs) i wanted to say okay so we should talk about so in our lives in our cute little sophia coppola watching lives it was cute (laughs) but america was but this week was a shit show (laughs) yeah an absolute shit show so where were you when you first saw that the capitol building was being not like i want to say stormed but it was just kind of well it was under siege (laughs) casually walked into yeah it was it was attained it was acquired um where were you like what was how did you find out and how did you initially feel well chris and i were on a, a distance walk with um another couple a girl was like oh the protesters are taking over the capitol building where they're counting the votes and it was a very vague you know like a vague twitter Mm -hmm. headline and i kind of was like what like the georgia capitol like i was still thinking about the senate because we had like (laughs) such a great triumph (laughs) the day before right and i was like oh maybe they're just pissed about georgia and so that -hmm. was like towards the end of the walk so after we got home and because that was like very early in the moment when she announced that and we turned on the the news and it was just like oh my god like it was just unfathomable to see people scaling mm-hmm. the walls of the of the capitol building and like so we were just completely in shock mm-hmm. and it took me a while to even be like this is the u.s capitol this isn't the georgia capitol like i couldn't even mm-hmm. it doesn't because it just shouldn't have happened it shouldn't have been possible yeah. so it was a, it was a weird it felt very twilight zone at first to like come to mm-hmm. terms with the fact that that was happening what about you where were you yeah i it's funny the first thing i saw was on instagram somebody saying like a vague enraged tweet that they post on instagram where they were like today is a toxic day mm-hmm. like it was just this mm-hmm. whole thing and i was like what are they mm-hmm. talking about and i actually forwarded to someone and i was like what mm-hmm. happened <laughs> and then um it was actually harry harry hill i forwarded it to and then he sent me all the top tweets mm. that had the images of like the like the guy that was dressed like Chewbacca, a Viking, or like had a raccoon hat or something. Yeah, Chewbacca esque. <laughs> uh, that guy that was super face painted, and then sent me 
just all kind of the more like comical photos of people post like mm. posing and i was like i don't know at first it was weird because once i saw the photos i felt like a sense of relief mm. like relief that it wasn't it didn't seem <laughs> like violent mm. or dangerous mm-hmm. like i think it's more symbolically violent mm. and it's it says a lot of violent information mm-hmm. but tangibly like in the photos i was like oh these people are super fans of mm-hmm, trump mm-hmm. <laughs> first off um and they made their way in there and now they're taking photos like it just seems so like i initially was like oh my god storming the capitol like scary and then i was like i saw the photos and i was like oh these guys are just it seemed like they were like idiots they followed a whim yeah like i was like you had no plan like (laughs) you know you came into the thing and you were like when i saw them opening drawers i was like i know what like what did you think you were gonna do like is are you a lawyer like are you a spy because i was thinking i was thinking about that a lot too where i was like what was their plan when they got in there and Mm -hmm. i do think that they probably thought like okay if we get in there and we can take at least one person hostage we can take over america or Mm. something like you know because i'm like what yeah you think they were trying what were they gonna do when they got in there other than the like tomfoolery mm-hmm. that they did you know but there was like there were photos yeah. of guys with zip ties and um you know yeah that looked like they were prepared for something yeah. that's what was so trippy about it to me was i was like in actuality like if i'm just looking at it i'm like okay these kids look like they're on a field right. trip right yeah they even have the matching shirts to prove it but then i feel like the potential possibility is what's more scary yeah and it was just it felt like I just I still feel that way where I'm like how like what is the narrative like is it just these idiots came and you know we're expecting I don't know something to happen or their their power to be seen but they they weren't prepared and and we all got lucky that they just kind of walked in there or was it extremely violent and like was it planned Mm -hmm. like I feel like we don't have that side of like what was the the real motive other than what it looks like to me which is like super fandom expressing outrage and like basically role-playing yeah I think you know that's the thing is I think it was probably a spectrum because there were uh I've listened to like several like podcasts about it from different angles Mm -hmm. and there were um reports on these like dark corners of the internet like this is the day like this Mm -hmm. is our revolution um and Mm. so there were people that and that's why I think if they hadn't acted quickly enough to get the actual people confined to like the senators and the congress people mm-hmm. we would be in a really different situation because i think they would have taken hostages that i do think there were some mm-hmm. people that were like probably just super fans that were like i guess we're going in you know and taken up in the moment yeah, that were didn't expect, but i do think yeah. you see like there were some videos of people that people posted who were on the grounds like right before they got into the doors and you know there were people like coordinating Mm -hmm. being like we're gonna go in this way Mm -hmm. like if you can break a window we'll meet you on this side because but Mm -hmm. when you have like a few mob leaders then you have the mob mentality and that's where it gets really dangerous because like that's the chaos rather than just like a few people that really know what they're doing and then you can kind of take those people down it's like when you have a few people that know what they're doing and then other people that just want to like sit at the speaker's chair and like you know, take photos with, like, a weird Bastion statue. It's, like, that's where the chaos is, like, uncontrollable. Mm-hmm. Which is really what a lot, I think, of situations are. People that just go along with the mob. 
Mm-hmm. So yeah, they like catch wind of the energy yeah. and it feels bigger than it is. Like all of those people probably were convinced of a cause. Oh, for sure. That is so centered to their experience and their algorithms. I was thinking about how to us, it's like they're clearly deranged, but in a world that algorithmically only shows you content that you support. Yeah. Oh my God, Joey. Oh my God. <laughs> Joey's in the chat. Sorry, James has brought the dog in frame. So cute. She looks so clean and beautiful. <laughs> an alert <laughs> oh she's such a baby um <laughs> but like to them it's just so wild to just think of that illusion of to them they were really doing some shit like to them they were like yeah you know i just think that's so insane for sure and i've been thinking about a lot um basically the words that trump has used not just yesterday or not just the capital day but in general and how these words have been strung together to form a narrative and you have conspiracy theories mm-hmm. like QAnon that parse out little things that they see as clues and mm-hmm. and it's kind of like those people are sick like they're they've consumed something that is toxic and it has made them like sick and this isn't to excuse their mm-hmm. actions but they've like consumed a narrative that is now taking over like a parasite taking over their mind, right? So they're doing something mm-hmm. that they think, you know, they're stopping the dark order or whatever. <laughs> and <laughs> it's just complete delusion. And and this is interesting because, you know, stepping back from the obvious horror of all of it, it's like the looking at it from kind of zoomed out, it's interesting because it those people storming the Capitol reminded me like of a visual of what it looks like when your your thoughts like attack your mind and your thoughts can't do anything mm. because they're not real or they're it's not a real narrative mm-hmm. and so they're just like we're gonna fucking throw a chair over you know like we're gonna scale the walls and it's like yeah because they didn't they there's no real they don't have any basis other than this narrative that they are all creating into a reality and it's we're now like our, our country isn't just divided. There's two different realities. Mm-hmm. But it's all because of this Absolutely. narrative. And it's just, mm-hmm. symbolically, it, it's really, really, really interesting. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know how we're going to get through it. Not, not, not in, like, a pessimistic way, but just because narrative is so powerful, you know? Oh, it's so powerful. It's everything. I mean, even if you think about what really struck me the most of this is like the narrative of the capital being sacred and i think america is one of those countries that has told this story for so long and just beaten it into us like all through Mm -hmm. school that there's these symbols that are just so iconic and powerful and um that represent these untouchable things that must be protected you know like the flag the capital the white house and like they, they put so much work (laughs) there's so much work into making these things yeah sacred and um important and and powerful beyond what they really are which are just structures and Mm -hmm. images and for them to allow this is such a blip to that narrative like the fact that the security for a place that is constantly shown to the entire globe Mm -hmm. and to us since we're like in school since we're like five years old to like forever and then to just let it be stormed like Desecrated. a mall. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is this... Yeah, it was like a mall on Black Friday. Like, what does this look like? Yeah, it literally was. 
yeah there was like it felt like there was like two mall cops like, yeah. <laughs> on yeah. duty during also during something so you know um, a truly important ceremony like what they were counting the yeah. votes yeah like there was a bunch of people there i just it's so strange and i wonder if it'll be i wonder if this will change something you know the same way that like the twin towers changed like tsa and airport experience forever yeah. It's like, do you think this is going to be one of those where it's like, okay, now, <laughs> you know, we need to take it seriously. Yeah. I just, I think for me, it's like, I always, I sort of believe this idea that, you know, the White House and the Capitol are protected by like the FBI <laughs> and like the CIA. Yeah. And, you know, right, you think right. of it on this movie level right, right, of like, right. you can't even get close yeah. to it. And then seeing this, I was like, are you kidding me? For like, sure. Well, I think what it, you guys just don't want to pay people. <laughs> <laughs> like, you don't want to pay agents. Like, I don't get well, it. They, that's yeah that's super true and i think um it this is something that everyone's saying but it's like it calls in a question like why and when are these things protected and something that i hope will change is like the hardest the thing with 9-11 and this is the comparison that is easy to make but it isn't actually accurate is like 9-11 was outside actors coming in but right now we have people within our own country it's like we need to bleed mm-hmm. ourselves dry or something. Yeah. And it's much more complicated, and, you know. Absolutely. And the narrative can't be because the thing about 9-11 is, like, then they got to switch the narrative of being, like, we're so big and powerful. Sure. And, and we actually came together as a overseas. country in a lot of ways to unite against a common Absolutely. energy. Or, well, energy and enemy. <laughs> <laughs> energy. But it's yeah. just a different thing. So I don't know how it's going to change. I really hope that it changes the way we view um, – white supremacy and because they've they've said for like a couple years now that white supremacists are white nationalists are one of the greatest threats to our country and like guess who got into Mm. the capitol building (laughs) you know yeah totally it needs to be very it needs to be very visible i mean the number one discourse is essentially just the the very obvious i mean this is what everyone's saying but just the very obvious like how can these guys just get there (laughs) you know it's like their ability to do this is just a testament to their whiteness and the fact that their cause had to be somewhat backed by the people. Oh, for sure. That let them in. For sure. You yeah. know, it's like if it's and that's what's so wild. And I don't know. I just I don't know who to believe. Yeah, it's like <laughs> you know, it's like we, you and I, we have to also be aware of our narrative illusion. Mm-hmm. You know, which is the fact that this is clearly bad and ugly and should lead to all the things that we're hoping for, which is gun control and an awareness of white supremacy on a bigger scale. Um, But that's our, that's our own reality as Mm -hmm. well, which obviously is, of course it's better (laughs) because it will help people suffer less, you know, but I still, you know, there is that awareness of the ease of them getting in there. It's like they, they have the police Mm -hmm. on their side. They have, Mm -hmm a lot of government officials on their side, you know, and, you know, I don't know. Totally. <laughs> you know, Biden's saying all the right things on Twitter, but, yeah, you know, he's still, he's in the game. Totally. I think, um, <laughs> again, I, I don't know what's going to happen because, and there have been moments where it's just been, I've been like, okay, well, I guess we will find out because there's no clear, like, winner. There's no clear path forward. Um because we really it's the sort of thing where you have to like it almost feels like you have to cut down the tree because it's so rotten 
you can't like i always sort of put things in in context of nature and this is the one metaphor that i can really think of because Mm -hmm. nature is always the answer of like how things should flow and turn out or how they will because they have to um very wabi-sabi of you (laughs) (laughs) as you should be i do want to mention something that became full circle for me was the full realization that trump was never about america Mm. at all and i'm starting to be really i mean i remember when he first got elected everyone was really critical of his celebrity Mm -hmm. status and i think people and this is something i wish would just be unpacked more and even my experience with saisun has like helped me understand this but the ability for people to become super fans is Mm -hmm. like so (laughs) it's definitely like a problem you know i mean people blame Mm -hmm. Uh, people who have fans, you know, and they say, you know, be nice to the fans, all these things, but it's like, to become a super fan of someone like Trump Mm -hmm. and be convinced that he stands for America, which is essentially just a vessel and a symbol he used to get where he is, I 100% think that he became president in part out of narcissism and how powerful I can get and stuff, but also I think there was a, a monetary incentive in the sense that I think being president makes you good for life. If he has any issues in business, like those are going to be solved. And in terms of just being in high places to get what you want, tax-wise, all those things, that's absolutely, it's Mm -hmm. so clear to me now. And just watching the way that he interacts with everyone and the way that he was president is like, he never wanted to be president. Like he didn't care. Uh, Yeah. It was like, there was never, he just kind of recited the script and acted chill and got through it. And to me, it just looked like someone who signed up for... I don't think he even acted chill. That's the weirdest thing about him. Well, I mean, he always... Well, he'd always get up there and be like... Like, he would minimize things. That's what I mean. Like, he would Mm -hmm. minimize anything that needed attention and be like, you guys, it's going to be fine. It's me, Trump. Mm -hmm. You know? That's what I mean by acted chill. Not like a genuine giving us chill. Actual the chill, genuine chill. But just minimizing (laughs) things. and Because he didn't care. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I was Mm -hmm. even looking at his message to everyone where he was like, you guys are special. You guys are cool. And I'm like, you're fine. Like, this doesn't affect you because at the end of the day, you know, you get to leave with your, like, whatever, 200K pension and all these things that you get, (laughs) you know. Yeah. And also the, I think of, I I bet (laughs) becoming president puts you in a whole new network of power oh, that sure. will you know change your life and i just it was just so apparent I mean, he's to me in all trouble like legally and financially he is in trouble and it's like mm-hmm. it's what's so weird is he's actually so weak and needs the presidency like he needs that title to get out of all the shit that he's yeah and tangibly but i was thinking too i was like there's this thing i am starting to think i'm like i don't think trump and this you know could be a weird take but I just don't think he was ever first cared about America, cared about patriotism. I don't even think he cares about white supremacy. He's obviously like a a figure of it without his, mm-hmm. you know, without even trying. But in the sense yeah. that we've kind of made him this idea of like he's going to take over and he's a fascist and all these things. And it's like, I really just think he's just trying to get out of hot water and he mm-hmm. doesn't care about anything. I don't think he cares about mm-hmm. anything but himself and his assets. And... No, I don't you know. Think, I think that he, yeah, is 100% protecting his bag and somehow just became president to do that. Yeah. And like I said, he resembles white supremacy, but I don't think his motive was ever to do anything to the country other than use it to his gain. You yeah, know? I think my opinion is I think he's absolutely, I think he's totally racist and totally like a white supremacist, but he's not 
actively trying to do that i think he's just trying to protect his own skin at any cost totally and like the party that he is president of was just easier to manipulate Mm -hmm. um and that's where we're at but yeah i don't think that he came in with this giant plan to begin with there's also this article that was describing his reactions when he was watching the the capitol building being taken under siege and mm. he, i guess he was saying that he was upset that his his uh, supporters look so lowbrow oh really like a huge i love thing. that yeah. oh that is so yeah, true like, oh i hope he really yeah. feels that yeah it's like your supporters aren't like sexy new yorkers like <laughs> yeah there's no like socialites in that crowd like he was like upset about that because he is so he's like the definition of ego you know absolutely so he has people that are taking over the capital for him and he's upset about their appearance yeah it's wild and then he has to go on there and be like you guys are special Mm -hmm. we love you very much like literally like the word special is a really funny one so strange yeah i think my question is like what will we how will kids like read about this event in 15 years in Mm -hmm. their history books because history books are so kind of they're actually like very much like tabloids like they have to grab people's attention they have to fit into a narrative that's forming for the whole year (laughs) you know yeah exactly and for the whole country like it's a form of indoctrination Mm -hmm. um that feels so subtle because you know it's a 12-year process or whatever but what are we going to look back? Because, like, I was thinking about the Boston Tea Party. Okay, me too. Really... <laughs> me too. Okay, really? Yeah. Well, I was thinking that was the first thing that came to mind where I was like, was the Boston Tea Party as, like, regal and sick and, like, as they told it? Or was it yeah. just, like, it could have, like, now we have all these ways to document things in real time and have people expose their kind of lack of, I don't know, like, edge and ability. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but it's mm-hmm. like the Boston Tea Party could have easily been some dudes, like, I don't know, drunkenly getting on a thing and throwing some tea. I don't know. Yeah. It could have been not even a, anything that impressive, uh, but it's being told as like It also this... could have been like an act of terror. Like for all we know, like yeah, <laughs> the people were traumatized who were on the ship, but then we like create them into heroes because it worked for us in the long run. Yeah, we shook five you years. Know. Wait, what? No, the timing between – I always – the Boston Tea Party, the way that they teach it to us makes it sound like, oh, they threw the tea off the thing and then they were free, but it took years until – Yeah. Like, it was just kind yeah, of a yeah, symbolic yeah. story of probably many symbolic stories that who knows if they even tied into anything, but they make a great story because, you know, you – it's a, yeah. a moment of defiance in the tale. Then you wonder but if it was really – that's also, like – yeah, like, and then you hear about so many things that weren't in the history books that mm-hmm. are actually way more – important and telling and truthful (laughs) and make the world make sense you know what i'm saying like yeah yeah that's another thing it doesn't fit into like the vision of america Mm -hmm. and that's what i'm wondering about is like when like biden and everyone's saying like this is not who we are it's like absolutely this is who we are we all we you know this is a common theme Mm -hmm. that's being circulated we're not saying something new on this (laughs) in this moment but like, will this moment be recorded in history because it doesn't fit into this version of America mm-hmm. that, like, politicians are are always talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, what if this is just papered over? Yeah, yeah, because it's not – there's no enemy outside of America. Like, there isn't. 
you know like even the boston mm-hmm. tea party was like this is us you know getting freedom from the english you know and then 9 mm-hmm. like yeah you know we're civilized and amazing and there's extremists out there that are out to get us because we're so great you know and this is like okay yeah. there's these weirdos <laughs> that don't care yeah. about the country that they have been told you know have been like drilled into them that it's like the the best <laughs> like they don't give a fuck yeah yeah exactly it's like there's a there's so many things now that i've been learning about where it's like there was this incredible railroad strike where all these people got together and they stopped they shut the railroads down Mm -hmm. and then the militia came out and just killed people and then Mm -hmm. that's and then everyone just went back to work it's like i didn't fucking learn about that in school Mm -hmm. because it doesn't fit in because it's horrifying yeah (laughs) and so what's gonna but that is but that story is incredibly telling because that that story was when we were on the precipice of possibly moving to a more socialist more humanitarian way Mm -hmm. of treating workers Mm -hmm. and then it didn't happen because there was actual bloodshed so Mm -hmm. what's what is this going to be i don't know did you see that i think i really think that there's more awareness now and social media is a big is helpful in that keeping people to account and the story uh, the story can't be completely hijacked by one people or the other thing have you been seeing people make comparisons to hitler and i understand the urge but i'm just like that was a time where all the information was media (laughs) Uh, which i haven't seen those comparisons people were saying that hitler tried to do a coup five years before he came into power oh interesting and everyone's like look at history but i'm just like for me i can't really go there because i'm like well that was a time where the government like had heavy control over all information and (laughs) i don't know if that makes a difference that would be interesting if that even makes a difference like is social media what saves us is the storytelling what saves us yeah the broad and that because it is like previously there were just a couple forces controlling the narrative or trying to control Mm -hmm. the narrative but now it's almost like things are more chaotic because we don't have we just have so many different channels to so to take many. from and decide what we want. Yeah. So it's really like deep conspiracy theory to like truthful fact unearthing and then like everything in between. Yeah. Yeah. And then the yeah. just general not knowing. You know. Yeah. It's very strange. I also felt I was I think, thinking Oh yeah, go for it. Well, I was thinking about, like, how how did we get here? And I mm-hmm. think a big part of the conspiracy theories, especially, like, ones like QAnon and stuff, it's, it's trying to give answers when there aren't necessarily answers to mm-hmm. give. Um, and something I was listening to is, you know, how do you change someone's mind? You replace the information that they have in their head that's wrong with fact but you can't convince people that think they're being lied to 24-7. You know, that's the whole thing. It's like right. the facts don't even work, yeah. you know? Because they're just exactly, convinced exactly. that the simulation is just so strong. I yeah. Don't and maybe it but, is, but um, I just feel like that's such a... I mean, I've accepted the fact that it's like anything can be true. <laughs> but yeah. I'm not about to... I don't know, just my cause could just never be anything government related i don't know you know Mm -hmm. well i think i think the bigger thing that i'm thinking about is just like all of these conspiracy theories 
come because we are uncomfortable with just not knowing mm-hmm. like which is a spiritual having answers yeah yeah which we requires need, we spiritual need, aid we need to think we have facts mm-hmm. that roots us in the earth you know because the more that we can just accept that we're not going to know something and like someone's thoughts are probably going to be different but that doesn't mean that they're right Mm -hmm. you know it's all these different things that kind of stem off of that and that's kind of what I've seen with the coronavirus it's like there's so many unknowns and we have to just be I thought that that was the lesson that we were all going to learn collectively is Mm -hmm. like there are unknowns and we have to be comfortable with that but instead it's been like yeah there are unknowns and we're going to make up knowns and and it's just been way more chaotic it's also a grappling for power, and I do feel like the grappling for power always comes from a fear of the unknown. I think it's just another mm-hmm. thing we put ourselves through. But I feel like these people, especially seeing them, you know, in real time, <laughs> and that they <laughs> they feel so powerless in the sense that they can't accept, like you said, they can't accept the unknowns. They can't accept the like ever changing nature of everything, and so they cling on to this idea that they have a cause and that they are above the law like they're above the law they're above the information and if you think about what that does to your brain is that it kind of makes you absolved of any critical thinking of any communication and you get to like live in your bubble of I know and they don't and then you have this whole society that maintains that reality for you and you never have to feel that weight of the true powerlessness that you are which happens on a societal Mm -hmm. level and on just a human level it's like at the end of the day Mm -hmm. you really are so vulnerable (laughs) yeah you're close near to nothing we're all near to nothing you know as much as we're near to everything um yeah but it's something that I think can only be fixed in a spiritual mindful way and Mm -hmm. the way that these people are trying to do it (laughs) is with these sort of tangible systems that have no answers and just result in these really ugly I don't know these like fights it's so wild yeah absolutely and I do think about like it's sort of like the Maslow's hierarchy of needs Mm -hmm. people are not being fulfilled with their basic survival needs at this point and so we are we're put in this place where I was talking to a friend a few months ago and she was like I'm just you know you see people who are so desperate they will do anything and Mm -hmm. so many people are getting pushed to that point and it's like that's why something like a conspiracy theory is alluring because it's like no one wants to believe that they're government really just doesn't want to give them a two thousand dollar stimulus they're disposable they just yeah they don't want to yeah yeah, nobody wants to believe that (laughs) they want their importance Um, they want their their power well they also just want to survive you know it's Mm -hmm. like we're we're dealing with with a a nation that is being treated like like we are disposable which in you know again spiritually yes yes we are like (laughs) yeah that you know but we don't have to live in survival mode like mm-hmm. it's just not it's actually not necessary <laughs> yeah so it's um it's really something <laughs> it really is something it really is and I do want to add to your unknown comment in the sense that I think what we could learn from this and seeing these things play out in such a huge tangible show mm-hmm. is also the way that we do this with ourselves in the sense that so much of life is unknown and the creation of narrative in our own minds about our own situations whether that's something as you know small as like a romantic endeavor to like a career choice to like what your relationships mean or what your friends are thinking all these things that we kind of go through Mm -hmm. it's that if you have a moment of unknown your automatic reaction is going to be 
uh, be to simulate a knowingness, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So this idea that narrative is formed by this, it's very much a knee-jerk reaction, mm-hmm. I want to say. Like, it's so innate. It's so part of... It's a survival instinct. Being human. Yeah, it's a deep survival instinct that it's like every second is a narrative is being formed to just keep you going and to give you a reason and a preparation for everything. Mm-hmm. And I think the more that we're aware that so much is unknown and that the creation of a fake knowingness can fuck you more than being comfortable in the unknownness Mm -hmm. yeah you know yeah is a big thing for me because just think of all the times I mean I think of this for me some of my most like mindful um tests and things are always with romantic relationships because they're so potent they're such potent Mm -hmm. (laughs) plate like meeting places of Mm self-reflection and I just think of all the narratives you create throughout a relationship or even throughout a day when you're involved with someone that just go up and down based on your mood for sure you know when the real fact of the thing is like there is no it's fairly unknown every once in a while there is a confirmation there's a validation there is a break from the deep vulnerability um but at the end of the day we just are confidently constantly just trying to soothe ourselves Mm -hmm. you know yeah and soothing ourselves can look like actual self-soothing like creating a narrative that you know, I think if you're going to be creating narratives, you might as well create a nice one that is a win-win for everyone and pleasant for you. Mm-hmm. But sometimes that soothing manifests as me against the world. You know, it manifests as right. giving yourself as much power as you can, which ends up being a power that is very cheap and essentially putting yourself above a situation yeah. or being like, this person's against me. Um, and it's just, this is something that I heard on Red Scare pa- podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, once and I listened to them for more of their psychological analysis on things but something they said that I thought was so interesting is that it's way more flattering it's way more flattering to the ego it's way more flattering to you know this experience to see yourself as a target as opposed to collateral right and it stuck with me so much in the sense that I feel like it's such a, a mode that we put ourselves in that these people who feel disenfranchised by the government right. they're just collateral yeah You know, they're just the leftover. (laughs) They're like the fat cut off the meat at the barbecue. And it's not flattering and it's not powerful to embrace that, to be like, this presidency is over. And I'm I was never included in the conversation in the first place, you know, and it's so much more flattering to get together and say, oh, we're targeted because we're so special. We're so important. You know, and Trump knows that he told them they were special. Yeah. Um, And I see that play out with obviously these people, but also just in personal relationships. Mm -hmm. You know, how often do we make ourselves the target of of suffering and all these things when we're just in the crossfire of someone else's narrative? Totally, totally. Yeah. And how can we free ourselves? Was always said, um, no one's thinking about you. (laughs) (laughs) Which was like, sounds brutal. Nobody thinking about you. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds really brutal. But she was like, everyone is so obsessed with what's going on in their own head and everyone's so self-conscious mm-hmm. i mean you know this is sort of negative but it also is very real yeah um and everyone's worried about whatever they're wearing thinking doing saying that no one's thinking about you don't think that mm-hmm. like don't flatter yourself like yeah don't flatter yourself <laughs> yeah i feel that way also about the internet like especially i think it's one thing obviously of course it's like when your friends think about you i mean i think that's obviously different but i think I get that experience a lot online when people form opinions on me or us. Like, I've I've seen some stuff about, or, like, the podcast, you know, Mm -hmm. and it's just, like, I don't know. It's a very strange phenomenon, Mm -hmm, you know? mm -hmm. 
Yeah, but it makes I you do think, think it's like the internet you... has been a forum for that in a way that has never been before. Absolutely. Review based. I was thinking about how kind of we live in review cu- culture. Like mm-hmm. there was a time where the only time you'd hear about a review of a restaurant was if a professional like taster <laughs> went there yeah. and like wrote a long essay about their experience. Yeah. Um, and I think reviewing is very valuable, but if it's a product or service, but I think people forget that humans are not products or services. Mm-hmm. Uh, neither is art, mm-hmm. you know, unless the art is has serves a function like, you know, I'm painting this person exactly how they look. But essentially conceptual art or any abstract, anything that doesn't uh, confine to a function in that way uh, cannot be reviewed. Mm-hmm. It cannot. It doesn't offer a product or service that can be actualized. And I think people treat, you know, celebrities and artists and yeah. people online as like they can be reviewed and they just can't, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. not from a distance, you know. Yeah. Maybe um, Yelp is the downfall of humanity. Yeah. <laughs> But also it's great. I just think it's funny how I just think people need to be aware of the difference. Mm-hmm. It's like, yes, Yelp review about that vacuum. Yes, Yelp review about <laughs> the restaurant. Tell me how big the portions are. Like, you know, that's all tangible stuff. <laughs> how much price am I really going to You cannot get? review a, an internet personality. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all about the portions. Yeah. What's your, okay, I feel like looking at reviews, I think we all need to have a certain style because obviously it's a bunch of people who live in very different realities mm-hmm. reviewing one thing. Mm-hmm. How do you practice review etiquette, like, Uh, when you look at reviews? That's a great question. I I think if I can get any real facts out of someone, like, um, about a product, I mostly look at reviews for products, right? I get, like, oh, this functions in this way. Like, it's really this Mm -hmm. big. It didn't work. Or, like, things that are very factual. And when it comes Mm -hmm. to, like, restaurants... I worked in restaurants for so many years and I saw that like people would revenge review <laughs> and do that. Yeah. All so sorts obvious. of things. I worked at a restaurant that had a campaign against them. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so I don't really trust those reviews. I just look at like the photos, if any, if any photos exist, but I truly love Google reviews as an art form. I think Google reviews mm-hmm. are one of the purest forms of, of, modern art. Why? In comparison to Yelp and everything? Yelp, well, Yelp is actually the service um, can be modified. Like, the reviews can be modified if the restaurant pays. Mm. Like, certain reviews Mm -hmm. are shown first to kind of highlight. And Google reviews, like, I found this one guy who would just review malls and gas stations (laughs) and, and like, I I, you know, he had hundreds of reviews and it seemed like he was sort of just like a a traveler like a guy who just would travel from town to town and his whole and life it's fairly purpose. anonymous yeah right like is. google reviews they, they're not like make a profile and and well it's actually linked like to your yelp google is almost social media mm. but but it, it does feel less socially driven um mm-hmm. there's another guy i heard this long um story about this guy who started photoshopping ufos in different uh google review photos <laughs> and like uh, it really like tricked a guy and he had to track this person down but it took him a long time <laughs> wow so there's just google. a big world out there in the google review universe um and you can google just learn really, so I much mean, about google. people's lives through google reviews like i was looking at a a mm-hmm. pet grooming place and this woman was like i took my big dog buster here and then it's like a photo of her and then a photo of her with her son <laughs> and then like I went on her page and she like got a boyfriend and they ride motorcycles together. Like you can just learn so much about people. Oh my gosh. That's really cute. Yeah. 
I do feel I do feel like Google reviews are there's like a personal it almost seems like Yelp people are trying to get likes yeah like they'll write these like drawn out essays and then I do think Google reviews is like they'll be like five and they're just like came here with my with my wife yeah. had a great time shout out to bill at the door yeah <laughs> you're exactly. like oh that's cute exactly yeah it's, <laughs> yeah no you're completely right it's just a function Google on reviews. the app it's not like the whole website is devoted to that mm-hmm. so it's it makes it yeah slightly less important and then it's not as yeah it's like an add-in yeah like a fairly recent add-in google i will say google is big tech but i just like they produce so much internet art mm. it's just I just can't not respect them. It's like cockroaches. Like cockroaches are disgusting, but For they're sure. like so fucking like powerful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Google is like Google. Uh, Google Maps. I just I can't get over it when I think about it. Yeah. There's a they lot just, there. They did everything for us. Yeah. They really designed so much. <laughs> <laughs> like I just I don't know. Google is daddy. Yeah. Like how are they gonna how are they gonna narrate Google? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Later. You know. <laughs> Has Google, Google hasn't had, I mean, I could be wrong, but have they had a moment of, uh, I don't know, like, have they fucked up? Have they had a, you know, like, Facebook had their downfall? Well, it's interesting. Um, just last year, they started having, like, congressional meetings with Facebook um, and Google oh, wow. trying to take them down because they're saying that they're too big. And mm. Google, I this is what I kind of learned about Google's dark side through those um, hearings because basically what they'll do is they will um, somehow like squash small businesses by not listing them and not it's not an even playing field mm-hmm. when you look at Google Maps it's they can highlight certain things so um, there are mm-hmm. like cases against them and we'll see if they get broken up but um, up until that point I was like Google is a great friend mm-hmm. and I remember I mean maybe like 10 years ago like on 60 Minutes like uh, Google was one of the first like corporate offices that had like sports and like a kitchen on the grounds mm. like I remember I think it was 60 minutes but just some kind of one of those specials that was like imagine going to work and then taking a break to play tennis or get a massage yeah. and it was like the Google headquarters was just like all about play yeah. and I remember they like interviewed the like whoever's in charge and he was like yeah play is important for the brain and it was like so, so <laughs> it was wholesome. like the first liberal workplace yeah <laughs> the first um and now all the offices are like that i remember in venice we lived by vice and i remember i was right. dating that guy that worked there and they had a halloween party and it was like people were rolling blunts like in the main editing bay and Crazy. just running around you could drink beer at any time uh yeah and, and i remember talking to the guy and he was like no you know you think it's great and then you realize that it's just a way to keep you at work mm-hmm. and make you work all the time it's super because you smart. think, oh, you know, yeah, it's like it's Friday night, like I can keep editing all night and I'm not missing out because you know there's free beer. Yeah, and it's like, well, yeah, but you're not with your friends, you're not in the world. Yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, Google, damn, I feel hyped. <laughs> <laughs> Would you ever have one of those Google Homes in your in your house where you can give commands to it? I just like I don't even have an issue with like the tech and the spying I just get annoyed with like just the lack of like good communication like the technology would have to get much better Mm -hmm. like I've never turned Siri on Mm -hmm. yeah because it's just like it literally just took like one time of her being like what did you say Mm -hmm. for me to be like shut the fuck up like I just can't deal like I just I'm so 
I also can be very fast paced and I just think it's faster to just type something. Yeah. But um, yeah, I've just never, I, I'm, I just, I'm way too, I just get too annoyed when they don't understand you. Yeah, I agree with yeah, that. Yeah, the technology was like pristine. Like if, you know, also I can be a mumbler. Maybe it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I need to enunciate a little better. Uh, what about you? Are you just, what do you think? I don't know. We actually we got a Google Home like randomly for Christmas and we both were just kind of like, mm. Like, do we need this? Like, I, I'm just so happy. I kind of like being able to shut technology off in some form, mm-hmm. and it's just kind of like it's always gonna be there. Like, my parents have um, Alexa, and my dad will be like, mm-hmm. "We have to turn Alexa off for this conversation because we're gonna say like we're gonna ask for orders." I don't know, like, you know, <laughs> it, it inhibits your life in a way, and it isn't yeah, like mm-hmm. the technology isn't good enough for me to feel like it's worth it at this point. So I read, I read an article recently that was like the top tech uh, tech predictions for 2021, mm-hmm. and one of them is that we're moving away from gadgets mm-hmm. and that we're only going to be into apps now. And I thought that was so interesting because if you look back on the past 10 years, or even the past 20 years, I mean, yeah, past 20 years, it's like it's just been such a gadget-filled mm-hmm. existence. Mm-hmm. Like even the Alexa and the Google Home, it's like it's such a little gadget. It's such a cute futuristic gadget. Yeah. That is obviously flawed. I mean, it plays the wrong song. It's just like, you know, but the idea of it is so great. Or if you think about like Google Glass, like all these little gadgets that we're trying to, uh, uh, I don't know, break ground, but really seem just kind of like playful little blips in the technology narrative. And they were like, yeah, we're kind of over gadgets. Like we're at a point where we want less things, but we want more apps and we want our computer to do everything. And we want mobility. As opposed to buying all these little things. Yeah, we want mobility. And so maybe I think after reading that, my prediction would be like Google Home will become just an attachment, right. you know, or they'll just like Siri will just get way better. Um, bless you. Thank you. Yeah. And we're just like, I think it's funny to feel like you're in the future, but look around and be like, like every time I have to charge my phone with an outlet, I'm like, this is, <laughs> this is archaic. Like I'm done yeah, with this. Yeah. Like we should be done with this. Yeah. Same thing with, um the amount of streaming platforms i'm like is there going to be a time where someone just and i you know that also made me realize like the kind of the sort of dark side of uh competition Uh in america oh yeah is like because of the competitive market and the way that like america is like structured i'm not even sure or capitalism um is that it's not about which one's the best or what's the easiest it's like let's all compete and then all of a sudden you're left paying 50 dollars a month for five different services and it's like Dude, it was kind of chill when it was just a TV. I don't know. Sure. I totally agree with that. I think it's so silly because, like, I was trying to watch Friends. I love watching Friends around the holidays. Friends. And it it's was being like, passed around. Friends is being passed around. Friends is a different, like, I mean, streaming. Fr- yeah, Friends is getting, <laughs> like, a, like a, a bong at the party. throwing it around. Um, yeah. <laughs> but he, like, I couldn't, I couldn't watch it, and I was truly sad. And then, like, Chris, like, got me an Apple TV, which was really sweet and definitely like a long-lasting gift because we have mm-hmm. roku and like hbo max hasn't made a <laughs> deal with roku and like and i just was like i cannot believe that it feels like we have to choose like a click to play with on the schoolyard and i want the click Ugh. with friends you know but i also sacrifice something mm-hmm. i'm sure um it does yeah. it does feel like yeah it feels like a very clicky i don't like clicks yeah yeah Totally. But, um, Disney. I mean, I will say Disney Plus makes sense just because they're actually a whole thing. Yeah. Like, I don't I don't have Disney yeah. Plus and I don't care. So it's, Yeah, because you're not a Disney gal. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah, like HBO Max having stuff that's not even HBO. It's just strange. Yeah. And then like it's NBC like acting like having Peacock. And now they have like The Office randomly. And it's like, I didn't know The Office was affiliated. And now I don't, I can't watch the, <laughs> I can't finish The Office series, which I worked on during the pandemic. Do you think Netflix is going to go out of business? No. No. <laughs> I just think they're losing. Like I'm like, they have the worst interface. Every time I go there, I'm like, what are these you know romantic comedies that didn't make it to theaters it's like i'm like why are there pop-ups like i'm just over it i guess but netflix (laughs) is like they have so many great shows that everyone like they still have the viral shows and no other streaming platform has that yet and they're producing i mean yeah they're also if we look at their history they've like they're really fucking innovative yeah true yeah wait i have to pee can we pause yeah me too (laughs) hi okay so (laughs) um that was good we peed um I checked my phone, and my crush was like, let's go to the beach at 2. Oh. <laughs> With his friends. I'm going to meet his friends. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> next, yeah, it should be fun. Next level Barbie over here. Next level. I'll be like, who Who are you really? You know? <laughs> but he said to go to my favorite beach, which is my favorite because the waves aren't big. Mm-hmm. That's something I have to say, too, is that I was a great swimmer in L.A., mm-hmm. and out here, the waves are so, so unpredictable. Oh they're stronger like even the waves that are close to the shore that like hit your feet could knock you down depending on the day (laughs) and you'll be out there and it'll be so calm and then all of a sudden it'll just like you know so I was thinking about the whole like I really want to learn to surf while I'm out here but I'm like first I want to like just feel comfortable swimming you know because I remember a time where LA uh, waves were scary like I remember that Mm -hmm. I remember swimming in the ocean every day when I was a teen one summer and being like oh now I'm I've mastered it like I'm comfortable you know mm-hmm. and I think that's what it takes but yeah especially if you yeah, there's just one beach footing on the board or whatever you want to be able to swim your way out of the the current totally <laughs> there's just so much going on it's like if I already feel threatened with my body imagine having a giant thing next to you attached, attached to your ankle yeah like... <laughs> <laughs> it's just so crazy to watch I just can't wrap my head around how people can be so physically active like you know yeah yeah but there's a lot of danger i mean it's like my neighbor who's like a major surfer and really good at it like can't surf for a week because his eardrum like ruptured because he went too deep in the water wow and i was like dude i mean and then they keep going (laughs) you know then they're like fuck it i'll just keep surfing i'm like oh i also was like (laughs) i'm just gonna keep talking I was thinking about how so much, I don't know if you have this experience, but so much of my lack of like physical activity is my parents being afraid of me getting hurt because we never had health insurance. Mm, okay. And so my parents wouldn't let me do anything. Like they were like, no, you can't play soccer. You can't. They're like, if you get hurt, it's over. Yeah, absolutely. We're going to be poor. I mean, my parents never <laughs> framed it that way, but my mom, like even when I was a kid on the playground, my mom made me wear leggings every single day under my skirt so I wouldn't skin my knees. Like, mm-hmm. I was, like, protection central, and I, like, learned to ride a bike, but then, like, wasn't allowed to ride after a certain age. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, but probably a lot was, like, the health insurance thing, which I never really thought about before. So. Yeah, my parents were so – my mom was, like, that was always the reason. She was, like, if you get hurt, we can't pay for it. We can't go to the doctor. Yeah. And I was, like, think of, like, the reality where, like, you never have to think about that. Like, if you break your arm. Oh, yeah. Like, you just go to the doctor yeah. and not have to pay. Like, it's so crazy. Yeah. Um, that's the narrative now. The reason I'm not physically active is not because I'm stunted. It's because uh, I was scammed by the U.S. government yeah. into never being able to take risks. Lack of insurance <laughs> trauma. My mom was like, yeah, just stay on the beach and read a book. That's nice. Don't <laughs> Stay at home. 
develop an internet addiction so you never leave. <laughs> Become a star. Oh, wait, it worked out anyway. <laughs> I'm in Hawaii. Become a star. <laughs> uh, I do really love my place, I will say. Like, I... At my old place in Silver Lake, like, I love the location, but the apartment itself had, like, a dark, damp energy Mm -hmm. I hated. Like, I'd wake up and be like, all right, (laughs) another day. But I wake up here, and I'm like, I'm a doll in a dollhouse. Aw, that's a good (laughs) way to feel. It's good. Happy for Uh, you. Okay. So what's – should we close this? What's your your goal for the day or the week? Um, I'm going to finish writing this guide that I've been writing for a few – months which is crazy i feel like oh yeah we should do announcements okay we never talk about this but james wait am i allowed to say this that you write for headspace yeah i'm like well i'm I'm an independent contractor so i'm not like an employee yeah but um yeah but yeah some of her meditations are on the headspace app which i think is just so cool that happened in the past couple months yeah yeah and there's another Uh, one do you want to shout out what they are well the first one is the only one that's out and that's called uh starlight diner and then I have one coming out uh-huh. in January, so it should be pretty soon. Um, and then hopefully another one in, like, the coming months as well. So, What is the January one? Do you know what it's called yet or, like, what it's I about? I cannot disclose. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. we got to wait till it's out, yeah. you guys. <laughs> um, very sick. But, yeah, James is an official writer for Headspace for meditations, yeah. which is extremely cool. Yeah, so that's <laughs> exciting. And then, and then yeah, the, the meditation guide is just my own uh guide from from me to you so that's mm-hmm. that'll be really exciting and that's like i've just been putting it off and like rewriting it and re-examining it and i think this week i'm finally gonna birth the child so <laughs> yes yeah. yes yeah so that'll be good love the birth yeah what about you what are you doing this week all right we'll hang out with crush guy um I think I'm just going to sort of, I think I finally kind of nested here mm-hmm. and I'm ready to kind of make a routine and a plan mm-hmm. um, and work on some tangible things, you know? Mm-hmm. Nice. Like, I think I've like made some friends. I've figured out the waters. Yeah. And now it's just about kind literal of Literal and life. physical. <laughs> Wait, literal and metaphorical waters? Like, yeah. not just the Hawaii yeah. I think waters. the metaphor... I think the literal and tangible stuff is sort of figured out, yeah. and now I want to go into the poetic. Yeah. Like, I want to be making art. I think that's what I'm trying to say, yeah. is, like, I want to get back into the funk of, like, yeah, like, making metaphors and, and writing poetry and, and mm. doing everything that I normally do when I'm grounded yeah. <laughs> in a place. Yeah, so. absolutely. I'm excited. Well, I'm excited to see see what becomes of it. It also seems like weed is coming back. Everyone's offering me acid and weed. <laughs> So, who knows? <laughs> Weekly plans. <laughs> yeah, everyone's like, I got a blunt. Like, hit this bog. It's just like, I feel like I'm in high school again. That's really what I have to say. Mm. I feel like I'm in high school again. Do you, is it, is it's just legal all there? The... No, and that's why I feel like I'm in high school, because I think in LA, oh. weed became this kind of luxury addition. Mm. Like, it was like, it was this heavily branded, I mean, you and I went to that store, right, yeah. together. We went to Haven that time, and they yeah. gave us a that was really cool. That this was friend Haven time. gave us a gift card to buy whatever we wanted <laughs> as long as we posted about it. Um, yeah, so it's like it's become this heavily branded kind of like luxury experience. And then I come here and it's still illegal. I think it's like uh, I think it's medical card-esque, mm-hmm. which is like our teen years. So it is like people have dealers and everyone's smoking like actual weed and there's bongs and blunts. Like I haven't I used to smoke blunts all the time mm-hmm. when I was like 19 not anymore but like out here it's like so normal and so it's like that same energy of like people just trying to kick it and smoke weed yeah 
Wait, can I send um, you weed? Is that really like funny. will that come through the mail? Well, I guess I can look. He into said it. the farmer guy <laughs> that I'm hanging with. He <laughs> said that his friend sends him weed all the time from Michigan, mm. but they like vacuum seal it. Oh wow! Because I found and these I really don't... cool edibles that they're called magic grapes, and mm. this is like the most LA bougie thing I'm gonna like in the contrast of your weed experience. But they're like mm. a chef like created this <laughs> this recipe for them and they look like little like Turkish delight candies and they're so good and they taste the reason I'm why I crazy. got them is because this girl I follow on Instagram who's a baker was like, I just took these and it feels like Xanax light <laughs> and I was like, Oh my god, like I've never had Xanax, I want to try it. So and it totally I got influenced. Totally felt really good. I've been I've been influenced. Um, so they felt good. It wasn't like psychedelic. And, like, no, not at all. For me, can sometimes be a little too much. It felt super chill. Was it like CBD? Very. It's, okay, it was nice. one to one THC and CBD. So super chill. But I feel like I'm gonna Balance. try. I could try sending it to you. To see. Yeah. And if you want to take on that feat, I'm. I would be excited and. Yeah. Embrace it. I'll see. I'll see what I can cook up. Maybe there's some YouTube videos of some people being like. <laughs> yeah. Some other influencers. How to send weed. <laughs> yeah. People do it all the time, and I, every time I hear it, I'm like, how do you have the, the, the like, confidence? Yeah. I guess maybe do if that. I don't like, do I a remember, return label, maybe I could do that. Anna, remember Anna? She mm-hmm. used to, she used to always talk about this. Not remember Anna, Anna but my like, remember what she school used best to, friend. I think so. <laughs> that we're still friends with. No, um, <laughs> no, remember how she used to say, like, she used to put it in, like, peanut butter jars. Like What? I didn't know that. You'd get a can of peanut butter and clean it out and put it in there. That's interesting. Or, like, cereal. Maybe she has the tea. Yeah. Get it from a local. Yeah. Get it from one of the homies. <laughs> yeah. Ugh, it's just so crazy. And then I had, like, I just feel, I feel excited after talking to you. Yeah. And then I'm, like, just going to be in a little thong bikini around a guy. So. <laughs> That's today. Best place to put your Sunday. energy. <laughs> yeah, this is so great. <laughs> That's what I mean. I'm, like, dude, like, let's get a little busy. Let's. Yeah. Let's continue. You'll do less collab. (laughs) Let's collab. It's fun to be a teen, but we gotta gotta stick to the program. (laughs) (laughs) We gotta keep going. Isn't it cute that I wrote that letter and I said keep going when we were like 12 or 13? Okay. Yes. uh, Can't believe that. Yes. Yeah, my sister um, uncovered a bunch of old stuff. She just randomly all month (laughs) has been finding things. It's texting it to us, and there was a birthday card that James sent me when I was 12. Yeah, yeah I think 12. you were turning 12, yeah. Yeah, and um, she said, keep going. Yeah. So, there you go. Maybe that's where we'll leave go. it, folks. So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the keep Eternal keep going. Yeah. This is a real concept. Yeah. All right. Well, I love you, James. Love you, too. It's always a pleasure. <laughs> I miss you a lot. Miss when we were too. texting yesterday, I was like, ugh, normally I would just come over and see all this. Like, you were sending me, like, the new, that, like, flat, those, like, that, like, pine cone arrangement. Oh, yeah. And I was like, ugh. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> normally I'd be in your house, Joey at my feet, <laughs> jumping. <laughs> ugh, so sad. But, yeah, I'll see you soon, yeah, right? Absolutely. Eventually, yeah. When things make sense. <laughs> soon in the relative span of time. Thank you guys for tuning in, for listening. Um, See you next time. Bye.